0: Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of Naked Sunday. I am your host, Caleb Nelson, and I have my new friend, Mark Borst, on the podcast today. Mark, thanks for joining me, brother. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And I don't know if you listened to any episodes in between our last conversation and today, but what I like to start all my episodes with is why I appreciate my guest. And the reason why I do this is because I believe as a species, as a humanity. We need to start telling each other why we love each other more. And I think that's a good first step on at least my vision of what I'd like to call world inner peace. Maybe we should all just know how much we care. And to that effect, I mean, our conversation, but when we got off that, I think I had to hop onto something else. I'm like, I could have just hung out with you for the next three hours because, I mean, shucks, now I could do it again with you. you But (laughs) to me, I'm at a place in my life where I want to be around people who are willing to just go there, be real. There's not the, you know, the, it's just real, it's authentic. And on top of that, you were sharing a little bit about how you even go about your business, where you're about really building a relationship and allowing it stages for it to grow. Cause especially in your industry, You see a lot of people, they sell real hot, they sell you the kitchen sink and everything in between, but it doesn't even give the opportunity for the the relationship truly to develop and build trust. And I really admired that. So I see both the authenticity and this truly altruistic, integrous way of going about helping somebody else on their own professional journeys and their own professional endeavors. That's really meaningful to me. So thank you for just being you, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's the least I can do. Because, hey, (laughs) we're here now. So let's do this then, Mark. Uh, You know yourself better than I. So share with the audience, who are you?
1: Um, I've been an entrepreneur for quite a while, but I'm a creative guy. I'm a logical guy in the same body. Um, Really kind of a strange mixture. A long time ago, I wanted to go to school to be a graphic design artist and draw comic books all day. Um, decided I wanted to feed my family at some point if I was going to have one, maybe have a roof over my head. So I said, that might not be the best career path Um, through a a dart-to-dart board, wound up in the marketing side of things. And it took me about 20 years, but I was able to finally marry those two together in a business of my own. Um, Really enjoyed doing what I do. And uh, I just really get a chance to meet a lot of really great people that people don't even know are around as far as businesses go and find out how I can help them tell their stories.
0: It seems like so many people with that creative itch, especially like the graphic design and that kind of it, it always ends up into the marketing space because it, it it takes somebody like like I don't my sister is an incredible designer. My father's an artist that artwork behind me, like he did that. Like this is but for me to put like pen to paper and put something thank God there's tools like Canva and stuff like that out nowadays. So I can kind of like hodgepodge some stuff together, but it's it's so interesting when you when you have to bring blend the business side into the creative endeavor, and that's a it's a very interesting meshing, and that's that's so cool that you found that that way into that. What uh, tell take me on the path? Like, how did you how did we get there?
1: <laughs> how do we, how do you get there into to blend that business and creative side together, or how did I get to where I am today?
0: Now, let's go with how you got here today, because I I'm assuming we're going to cover a little bit of both in between that.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, so I started off a long time ago testing software for people, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a company out in East Greenbush, and I really, really liked the computer side of things back when computers were just starting to take off. Windows was still a twinkle and Bill Bates' eye, um, and uh, I really just really enjoyed working on the computer side. I knew this is where I really wanted to, I probably wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And uh, I just had a blast. I was with this great group of people, and I've always found like these startup companies, startup kind of atmosphere, or these um, not the non-traditional corporate side of things. It's always a fantastic kind of a entrepreneurial kind of place to live, kind of incubator thing, where everything is possible. Everybody's working towards a common goal. We're all working really hard on it. We all have a vision and we're marching towards it. And I've always loved that kind of thing. So in addition to getting to expand on the logical part of what I love to do a lot by going through and testing things out and trying to get things to break, which I found I was really good at. Um, Developers hated it after a while, but uh, (laughs) the creative aspect of me always found really cool things to do to try to get them to um, realize that they had forgotten to put a few error checks in place or something that they never expected the user to do. So the creativity on my side always really helped me out on that one. But I figured out that I loved computers. I loved the creative piece somehow, and I wasn't really sure. And then I also loved in that entrepreneurial startup and kind of a company thing. And so I didn't really at the time, but I was really getting the foundations of what I really wanted to do for the rest of my life, because I loved that entrepreneurial startup. I don't care what it is. It's a problem. We'll figure it out. We'll go through it. but on the other side, way to be creative, also being on a logical thing and just being part of something special, something new that the world hadn't seen yet. And came, bringing it to market was just a real blast. It was also when um, this program was out called Aldus Photo Styler, and it turned out to be the thing that turned into Adobe Photoshop that everybody tends to know today. And uh, I really got my um, feet wet and graphics at that point with this particular company. I got to know all the different graphics file formats. I know them inside and out. I got to work with AutoCAD all day. Um, I really had a specialization on the graphics side of things. And I'm finding, you know what? There might be a way for me to still be on that creative piece and still be at the logical side and then still be in these startup companies. So I would spiral out through different jobs over the years in the same kind of spaces, always have those same kind of startup mentalities going. One of them was power ads a long time ago. It was a local car company that um, got pulled up. They went out to all the different dealers when dealers were still young to the internet and sold them all websites. And I did websites for car dealerships from here to California, just day in and day out. And that's how I taught myself HTML and got myself going on the website, of things. So another tool in the toolbox. And uh, got to work at an ad agency a couple of years after that. And then, working with them as their interactive services director and uh, got to work on brands like Visa, MVP, um, RPI and just really seeing how the creative aspect really goes on the business side and the marketing side, how those two get meshed together. And it was just infinitely fascinating to see how many people are involved in all those things. You don't see the art directors or the creative directors or the graphic artists or the programmers. And they all kind of work together in concert. It's just amazing to watch the agencies pull that stuff together. And then as you and I talked, when I first started getting going, I figured out at one of those meetings one day that there's so much overhead that goes into all of those projects that it really makes it difficult for regular sized businesses, small, medium ones, to get the marketing help that they need to get to the next level and uh i realized to myself you know what there's an opportunity here and i hung out my shingle and started doing it part-time after work and then a couple of years later i wound up hanging it out full-time it'd be my 14th year in december for doing this full-time as an actual business for myself helping out small medium-sized businesses
0: 14 years wow I you know I'm at a place now where like I admire anybody who takes the leap into owning their own business and can stay in it past three years. Yeah. Hell, yeah. one year. It ain't easy. Yeah. No matter what you slice it. You know what it's like. Shit, yeah, man. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I think what I started hearing in some of your story there was you know, you, you set out on one thing, and then you start to realize there is a lot more to just doing that one thing than just doing that one thing from learning how to interact with so many other people to integrating systems to, I mean, you're essentially speaking different languages. Like you said, you learned your, you taught yourself what HTML, I see that stuff in my head starts to spin. I'm like, nah, I'll find my buddies who are good at that, you know, or one day chat GPT will write it up real fast for me. Like this is kind of maybe the basic yep. layout for me. Um, I got to connect you with a, a very dear friend of mine. His name is Jack McDay. He owns a company called Statomic. Um, I was just out of there, uh They called it flat camp and it was a retreat. So much fun. It was. I was the only dude there, only human being at all who really didn't know a thing about code or anything. Everybody else there, I was like, thank you all. Just like treat me with kid gloves, guys, because <laughs> I'll talk health and wellness, but I cannot talk any of these things. But what I was hearing similarly, you, you, I think you jive with this community in general, was this like this very deep empathy side too, where you Absolutely. think like that graphic or pardon, um kind of the coder mentality, very black and white, harsh energies, like it is or it isn't. Yeah, but like when you bring in like how do we make it creative, how do we make it palatable, how do we speak to the consumer in a way that's meaningful? There's so much more depth behind that. That's yes. kind of what I was hearing there.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Everything always starts for me because you have this blank page and a blinking cursor and what do you put on it? And, uh, or you get a big white sheet and illustrator. And what am I going to fill this thing full of today? So it's kind of like solving a mystery. So you look at, well, who's this person in front of me? Who do they try to go after for their clients? And what are they trying to do? Who are they trying to help? So and then of those people that they're trying to help, what's their common phraseology? What's their methodology? What are their emotions behind things? Why do they tend to buy? Why would they buy from this company versus somebody else? And you just start living in their head. You start living in their world and understanding where their bread and butter comes from, where their pain points are, why they don't want to go down a certain road anymore. Um, And if you just get them just to listen, and I think you and I talked about this when we first met is a bit a little bit about being a therapist in some ways because they come to you and they just they're stuck they need to get do something different everything that they've tried the same thing over and over and over again probably enough hasn't worked and they want to try something new now so this gives us that opportunity to break out of that cycle and try something different and that's how we start to do it we start looking at breaking things down into smaller pieces pick it up, try it out. If it fits, great. Move on to the next thing. If not, we'll swap it out for something different. And then eventually you stick enough of these pieces together and then patterns emerge. You start to understand the personalities behind the people that they're trying to get to. You understand the personalities, people you're trying to work for. And as that all comes together, you get that voice of the customer. You get that voice of who they are, what they're trying to be and what they want to be. And if it's not quite what they're trying to market themselves as we help them try to shift that culture internally. Um, if you really want to change, this is where it actually has to start as always from within. So once we get all those pieces together, it's not usually just a website that gets done. We have a different corporate thinking, a different corporate mentality, a different direction to march in. And then it really kind of helps the company out because they feel empowered that there's something new. There's, there's going to be something different this time. Probably the same thing with a lot of your fitness clients that came in. I'm making the choice. I I know this is going to take work on my part. I know this is going to be hard. I know it's going to suck. But at the same point, I'm tired of being the same way I was. And I want to do something new. And those are my favorite kind of clients to come out and work with. The ones that are invested in the process that know it's going to be a little bit difficult, but at the same time are hopeful and really optimistic about what the change is going to bring. Mm
0: -hmm. There's a couple of things that just came through for me there especially when it's this, I've looked at coaching a lot now, especially more, what's the word I want to use? I'm going to call it deep coaching, but you, you spoke to the inside piece. There's a big, there's a, it seems like there's this big call for authenticity now. And whether it's in health, Or in marketing branding whatever you want to call it sure i think the real part what i was hearing especially in that is that it it, somebody doesn't feel like they're authentically communicating who they are and if you can't authentically communicate who you are the one who is seeking that specific authenticity also can't connect with it that being said when i think about like health it's the same thing like i don't feel like i'm showing up like myself so how can you sell with confidence if you're an entrepreneur? How can you go on a date and be your true self and set boundaries or 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 any of those things, be confident as a leader, whether it's your family or whomever, if that true sense of self and understanding internally, of course, replicated externally, if that doesn't line up, it 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 really cuts you off there. Absolutely. So that's what I was hearing in that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it happens at the corporate level. It happens at the individual level inside of the corporations as well. Culture is a huge, huge factor. And especially when COVID happened and everybody was realizing that workforces were being cut. And at the same time, the same people that were still around were getting slammed with three or four additional jobs to do at the same time. Um, I saw some writing on the wall that when COVID was going to be over, there's going to be a problem because there's going to be a whole bunch of job openings. People are going to be hiring back up because the employers are going to be feeling better about the economy going forward again. And then the workers are going to say, no, I don't think so. Or I'm leaving and going someplace else. I can do the same job. Do one of the four that I've got now and I can make three times the money. So you know what? And I'm getting work life balance out of it. So there's some short sightedness that went on along those lines. And that authenticity that the company was lacking came through in droves to a lot of the workers, which is why we still have a hard time finding Good seats when we go out to restaurants these days. Why healthcare is in the situation it's in? Um, you know, there's a lot of companies that are running into issues with that because they're not authentic to themselves and to their teams.
0: Well, I think inherently the diff the difficulty you're speaking to is the 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 ability to think holistically around the costs of not addressing that it's hard right. to think about everything from like somebody's you know we use the word work life balance but like how do we find harmony that's probably a better word yeah. to like how do we inspire the people that are in our stead it's not always about dangling a paycheck though that's right. nice but i i've been thinking a lot about the millennial i'm a, I'm apparently what is considered a geriatric millennial i am the bridge like right there at the edge of like the previous generation jerry i told that to my wife and she just like lost her lost it but we think about the millennials i know my generation more than people want to think about are actually more driven by purpose and a deeper sense of like vision more so than money and and we'll call it the work-life balance as part of that but people and you know i'm saying like it's highlighted by that throughout the generations it's always been that way. People want to feel inspired by something. And part of what I was hearing and what you're saying there, when you take that holistic look at a business, whether it's marketing or inspiring or leading, however it is, the foundation of having good harmony within their work and their life is it makes space for them to be inspired by the vision. Right. It right. wants, like, they feel bound, like it's a family. Like, this is a part of me, not just a place I show up to to get paid.
1: Right. I think a lot of people are stuck in the, the place I show up to to get paid because they think that it's something that's going to be secure. Well, I'm going to get this paycheck in my account every two weeks. And what they don't realize is that there is no security. At a moment's notice, that company is going to say, OK, if it's benefiting me, I'm going to cut you off, whether you like it or not. Um, I need my bottom line more than you need your paycheck, in my personal opinion. So for me, when I started up my business in the middle of a recession, um, I left an $80,000 a year job to start off my business on my own. And I was that confident that I had the right things in place to do it at that particular point in time. And I realized I had to break an addiction to a paycheck, that I had to stop thinking about that I had this secure money coming in, because even when I was doing part-time trying to get my business ramped up where I could make that trip switch over I was making three times what I was making 40 hours a week. So if, you know, what really is the thing to get rid of there? It's to get rid of the fact that I was beholden to somebody for this paycheck, thinking there was some security tied to it. And all honesty, there was no security there whatsoever. I'm responsible for my own security now. How I take care of my money, how I take care of my finances, how I plan for the future, how I take care of clients and business and cash flow and what's coming in for new business. It's on me. So I've got nobody else to complain about. If I'm going to get fired, it's because I'm going to quit my own job and go someplace else. It's incredibly empowering, but it's completely scary to do that the first time. But once you make it that first year, you're like, you know what, maybe I can do this.
0: I hear that. I remember the first time I got exposed to like leadership stuff and it was talking about the entrepreneurial mindset, not even entrepreneurism. And the statement was something to the extent the question that was be- kind of begged of the groom was uh, what, what do you feel the moment you take ownership of your life? And it was one, one a friend of mine, a former colleague spoke up. He's like, you're going to feel two things. You're going to be very excited. And then you're going to be terrified. And yes. you just said basically the same thing. Like, <laughs> oh shit, it's, it's, it's my, it's my game now. And then you go like, yeah. oh shit, it's all on me. Like, ah. yeah. so like, <laughs> that's two conflicting feelings there. What so what did you do? What helped you in in navigating that we'll call that emotional quandary there? That 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 little moment in time where you're like, oh shit, how do how do I sort this out? Breaking that addiction of stability and comfort from the financial early, I mean, we should really say perceived stability, right? To fully embracing and, and owning that that next phase in the beginning. You know, most people face things like imposter syndrome and it's like, I, I don't fully believe it because maybe the paychecks are not as consistent or whatever the thing is. Yeah. What, what did you do to help navigate that storm there?
1: Well, um like I said, I didn't start this. I just didn't quit one day and then hang my shingle out and try to go out and find clients. Didn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. And I had no illusion that it was ever going to happen that way. But I knew when I was working for this job, I had uh, that I hated the job. I would sit in the parking lot and try to screw on a smile after lunch and just work myself up to go in and put in the last four hours of the day. And uh, I just couldn't do it anymore. I dreaded Sunday nights. Um, I really was just in a really bad place mentally. And I knew it was affecting my work, it was affecting me at home. And uh, I drove into work one day, usually it's audio audiobooks in the Wayne Road, and I turned it off and I said to myself, you know what? If I could figure out how to, find new business, if I could figure, because I was terrified, I had no idea where I was going to get clients from, if I could find out how to get a good lawyer to help me figure out contracts and to get myself straightened around, if I could find an accountant that would help me not be in the poorhouse and help me get taxes and not get audited, um, I think I could probably do this. Maybe there's other things I don't know, but maybe what I need to be doing is asking myself those questions. If I was a business, what would I do to find those resources? So I get into the office that morning and I fire up my computer and get my hot chocolate. I'm reading my usual websites of the day and open up the Time Union website. and On the front page, there's this guy named Dan Moran. I had an article that said, if you can't find the job you want in this economy, have you ever thought about hiring yourself? And it was all about becoming an entrepreneur. So, as I was reading it, I talked about well, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, what do you have for cash flow? And then, how are you going to figure out your business model? You know, how are you going to get paid? And how are you going to take care of getting your accounting done? How are you going to take care of doing your lawyer bills? And what if you had a business coach to help you string all those things together? If you're thinking about it, give me a call. So, I emailed them that day and I met with them the following week. Within 30 days, I was out on my own. Wow. So when I met with him, we went over all the individual pieces of where I was, what I've been doing on my side business. And there's another critical piece that happened in the middle there, too. Um, So in the process, when I was talking to Dan about 15 days into talking to him, one of my side clients came to me and said, you know, what if I paid you for 20 hours of work every month on a retainer? How much would you want? Um, I don't care when you do it morning, noon, night, as long as the work gets done. I'm a happy guy. Is there anything else you want? I just want to lock you up and I'll put a contract down for you for two years. How's that sound? OK,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll take that on. Right. Oh, I'll see if I can work.
1: <laughs> so The next meeting, I go into Dan and I said, uh, Dan's like, well, you know, so at one point, maybe beginning of next year, we'll sit down and we'll start talking. This is in October. And uh, I said, well, what if I told you I wanted to do it in the uh, beginning of November? And he said, What? I said, Yeah. I said, here's the deal. These guys at NY Wired want me to get down there and they want me to do 20 hours. And he says, Well, wow. And then I don't I don't know what to say. And I said, Well, actually, there's one more thing I don't need to worry about anymore. He says, What's that? And I said, Well, they also offer to pay my health insurance for the next two years. Yeah. So if you were waiting for an opportunity like lightning to strike a bush in front of you, say, this is the time. This was the time. And uh, at that point, Dan said, well, this is a fantastic story. I have some friends at the Times Union. Let me get you an article in the paper about your story and what's going on. So not only did I read Dan's article in the paper, I became the next article he published the week after like a couple of months after and uh, i was sitting it came out on a sunday morning and then i was sitting up in my office and my email was just going crazy with people from the article just wanting to talk to me i had 28 people contact me that morning i signed 21 of them as clients in the next two weeks and i took off and went crazy ever since
0: what a cool story man some are still clients to this day really yes wow that's amazing You know, I think what I loved in your story is, you know, everybody's got this burn the ships mentality thing right now. And it's, I get where it comes from. People think of like these wartime analogies. I got to get somebody to move. But the, the thing you said is like, I took on some side clients. I did a little extra. You, You were preparing yourself and you had essentially a base You know, wherever people land on the spiritual thing, God, the universe, whatever, coming in, I happen to believe, you know, you put yourself in the right place. These types of things, they show up. Yeah. And
1: like an article in the paper when you get to the office after you told it what exactly what you're looking for.
0: Exactly. That. But it it, I think so many people will be like, I'm going to burn the ships. I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. I'm going to do the thing. And like, it's just going to show up. Having done nothing beforehand to build up a base of anything to, I mean, you wouldn't still have some of those clients if you didn't already have the skill sets from years of work and also having done some side work on your own to be like, well, what is my own way of doing this? Maybe it's not full time, but at least starting to have a voice around it, understanding essentially everything we just talked about, which is basically leading people and coaching them to be like, what do you really want your business to look like? Because that's what you're coaxing out of somebody. Say like, cool. Now, As my dog wants to have his voice heard over here. Come here, bud. I don't know if you can hear him. (laughs) Come here. I got a treat for you, bud. (laughs) Speaking of the authentic voices, his comes through all the time. There is no doubt about it. Um, My wife took a video of me recording a podcast with him, like nipping away at my feet the other day. I'm going to show that one. I'll be like, here's my actual podcast co-host over here. Going back to what I was saying about that, I think it's so important that people hear your journey into entrepreneurship. It doesn't have to be what everybody else thinks it is, where there's this catastrophe strikes and then I figure it all out as opposed to, no, I prepared for the future. There's nothing wrong with thinking ahead and building. There's some weird thing around like glamorizing people have to crash and burn. And I happen to be one of those people who has gone that path a few times, like burned myself to the ground in some way, shape or form to climb out of a hole that I didn't need to dig in the first place. Um, I think that's so wise and I love that that example is there. Of course, then all that abundance shows up on top of it, but it's because that, 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 uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of, Uh, that compounding interest over Mm -hmm. the years. Really putting in the time to really understand your craft and doing doing the extra work to understand the craft of building a business in a small incremental way and then and right. then ultimately asking for help from the opportunity in front of you, which is it sounds boring, but it works really well. And it's really exciting when it works out well. Like right. it does. And a lot of it to me,
1: it's I've always had experiences in my past where I've had something seemingly catastrophic coming down the road. Uh, you know, I was gonna burn out of that job and be gone and be fired one way or the other, or I was gonna leave either way. I was on a clock, I knew it, I needed to get out, I needed to change at that particular point. But there's been a lot of times in the past where something like that has been coming up where something is just monumental, there's a, there's a crux, a nexus point that's coming up that I know I need to get past. And we all get paralyzed by those. We can't see beyond them. One of my favorite quotes from The Matrix is we can't make decisions upon things we don't understand yet. So, you know, not understanding where some of those things were, all I could do is to step back and say, you know what, I'm just going to let the universe take the wheel. And I'm going to trust that at the right place at the right time, I'm going to have exactly what I need. And I don't really know what that is yet. But I'm going to tell myself now that every day, I'm going to find out something new until I get closer to that. I'm going to be the blind man working my way around the elephant, trying to figure out what's really going on there. And I'm eventually going to get there. And when I do, I've got my laundry list of things to ask for. And when I'm really clear on that, those things kind of not even appear. They've always been there. I just didn't recognize them. Well, it makes so it those happens. opportunities tend to be right there. Right. Um, so it's always been a thing in my, always upbringing in my house is the whole manifesting universe thing. And just nothing is too big to ask for, you know, don't limit yourself on things. Always try to be breaking through and perceive prison, and, uh, and your mind about what you can and you can't do. So to have that in my back pocket really was a huge help to me on the entrepreneur side.
0: I love, I love, I love all of that. That's just so cool, man. What a cool story of like, <laughs> and then I was in the newspaper and bam, like that's so cool. Ah, oh, that gets me fired up. Things move...
1: happen in the right way, the right time.
0: Yeah. And I think what's hard, especially for anybody who, what's the word I want to use? Is assertive kind of that go getter especially if there's an athletic background in there of like, I control things it's, there's a lot of force I'm going to win because I decide. And it's not that, I think that's a good prerequisite, but I think that that persona also struggles to allow the process to unfold and let the abundance come to you as well Let that universe. Take the wheel. Yeah, uh, That's hard because it's a, it's a feeling of surrender. And if you've Mm -hmm. ever felt like you were in a place of uh, like you're out of control, like you, and you finally regained a sense of control, which I've found many entrepreneurs seek that freedom Mm -hmm. because they, they really despise a sense of control over them. um, It's hard to then surrender again and allow that abundance to come to them from that lens. Um, And it, I, I believe entrepreneurism is a, is a highly spiritual activity because to really say, I'm going to take a leap of faith on the thoughts in my head and make it valuable to people and then create a life around it. When there's businesses and organizations that are better funded, have more manpower, have more like, and say like, but I'm going to make it work. that's not faith. I don't know what is man.
1: No kidding. No kidding. And I completely, for your listeners, and would tell you that what I would do is something that I would do over and over and over again. I would not go and burn the ships like you say. I would and I have counseled many people that have been small business clients to do the same thing. Take your time to think about what it is that you want to do and then try doing it part time after work. And if you really like it, you'll find the time to get there and to do it. But if you burn the ships and you find out that it's something that's really, really hard, plus you have to do new business, plus you have to do your bookkeeping, plus you have to do production work, plus you have to do credit and collections on your payments and manage your taxes, all those things together are just absolute nightmares that nobody thinks about until you're in the middle of the business piece. So if you don't have a solid foundation for what you do and you don't like it, you're really going to have a hard time.
0: Well, not only that, I... You start to resent your business. The thing that inspired all this creativity, I think on the back end of that resentment, when it eventually collapses, unless you right the ship, you you also start to hate your creativity. You fear your own creativity because the last experience you had with it, you started to malign, malign what it brought to you, the pain that it brought to you. And that's, I feel like that's part of our essence As humans, is to be able to create and to inspire, to make something that is truly authentically ours. What what a bizarre situation to get yourself into! So that this, it's not as sexy. It's to do this slow, steady process, but damn, it's it sticks around. It sticks around afterwards. (laughs) And I think
1: another way to take it a step further. I think the other real risk is hating yourself um, and getting down on yourself and telling yourself a lot of things that just aren't true because of a couple of experiences that you're just presently going through. Those don't make up your entire life and how you got there, but all of a sudden they are all you think of. And a book I read a little while ago talked about how uh, we have on average 10 to 15,000 thoughts a day in our head. And if we think about that, how many times do we actually speak to people during the day? So the conversations we're having are primarily with ourselves all day long. And if that's the case, what are we telling ourselves and what are we listening to? And if these people get in that situation, and I almost got in that situation too a couple of times, it's hard. It's not all roses. But um, when you get in that situation, you really have to do a gut check to yourself and say, you know what? It's a moment in time. It's not my whole thing. It's not my whole existence. It's not my whole years have been here before me. This is just right now. I'm going to get through this. It's just another obstacle. Just like it was trying to figure out how I was going to get started, just to figure out how I was going to get my next client. It's just an obstacle. And what I need to do is just silence that and say, let's just go forward.
0: Love it. Let's pivot. And it's not even pivot. Let's. It's kind of almost an adjacent to this and one of our conversation starters was around uh a common friend a mutual friend that we both have when he happens to be a coach of yours yep around health and a shout out to Dave Bender of Contemporary Athlete um the uh the power of just health and the pursuit of like physical strength and empowerment we talked a little about like the 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 beauty of what that the skills and the things it teaches you, especially of sport translates into um into entrepreneurism. So I'll use this opportunity before we go into the depths of that conversation. Is I'll drop in my first fun little question that I had mentioned. The question is. What types of sports? What sports did you play as you were growing up? Or creative endeavors did you do as you were growing up? So some people do like dance and things like that. So I like to leave it open to that. Um, and not only that. So one A is what sports did you play? One B is how did you go about playing them? Like what was your style?
1: Gotcha. Um, well, when I was in uh, high school, it was wrestling and lacrosse.
0: right i was a lacrosse player myself so keep going yeah
1: well i really hated the run so i picked midfield (laughs) 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 and uh, i realized i really should have gone for the long stick and stayed in the defense side of things but um it really taught me to put myself into a place where i was uncomfortable and see what i could do with it and turn it into something i actually enjoyed running from end to end after a while. I got to enjoy running after a while when I got into doing that. Um, so it was the 1A question, and how did I go about doing it? Um, i always looked at the team aspect when I was on the lacrosse field, and the fact that I was just a cog in it. I wanted to watch out for my teammates' backs, but I also wanted to look for opportunities that were happening, what I can do to make a play to get things going forward. So always on more of the team. What can the team do? What can I do to make the team better? What can I do to support my teammates? And uh, you talked a little bit about religion the last time we got on the phone. But uh, for me, um, I kind of had a spiritual thing that leads into the sports thing when I was in seventh grade. Mm. Uh, A friend of mine uh, had a brother who was in college who was also an instructor for Shaolin Long Fist Kung Fu. And I'd always been fascinated by watching Kung Fu Theater on Sunday mornings and the USA Network. And I was just all entranced. And it was my first experience, not only of martial arts, but of a real Eastern philosophy at the same time. And I remember coming home and telling my mother one day that I'm not sure I believe in God and her face turned pale. But at the same time, she allowed me to explore my own religion at the same time and That, I think, really helped drive a lot of my spirituality, helped drive a lot of my internal fire, my internal discipline, to realize that, um, you know, aggression can be channeled, there's energies, there's things that we don't understand that are around that we can learn more about, there's looking and observing at nature, the Chinese Kung Fu is always about looking at nature, this tiger or crane or mantis or all these other individual pieces and they've looked at the animals, the Shaolin monks to figure out how to do these things. And so it it brought me into looking at the world as more of a whole. So it's another piece to me of all the other individual pieces that have kind of come together as to where I am now that there's the spiritual part about how my existence fits into everybody else's, how everybody else's existence fits into everybody else around them and how we are really all connected um, from not only like the force from Star Wars too, this it's around all of us, all these connections, and we're all symbiotic with everything that's going on in our lives. So it's just another piece, another facet in the gem that came out after being compressed over those years and years and years of pressure into being on the entrepreneur side.
0: You took my subsequent thoughts right out of my head about how did you how did you integrate. Your style of play into your business, into how you incorporate with your clients, and I also loved how you saw the deeper aspect, the spiritual aspect of the wholeness and the oneness. But really, Eastern philosophy of things is is far more from like inside out. Yes, and there's my dog again. Inside out. Ty, come here, buddy. I got more treats. Um. <laughs> uh, wow, what a unique take on it. I played MIDI too, and. In all my sports, I have played a little bit of offense and defense. So it's the you, I, I love how you brought out the idea of I got to protect the team, but I also need to seek the opportunity to grow as well. Which is is the idea of knowing how to facilitate both offense and defense. And I also, <laughs> I love the joke around. I hated to run, so I chose <laughs> chose MIDI because you're going to run more than anybody. Damn it! <laughs> oh
1: man, three mile warm up in practice every day.
0: Right? Uh, yeah, warm up. Whatever. Um, but the other side to that is I think of entrepreneurism, especially a purpose driven entrepreneurial endeavor is it ends up becoming a legacy and it's, it's a, it is an endurance like event. How long can you keep this game going?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's a marathon, not a sprint.
0: Which is so hard for people to think about because you do need to have that like thrusting, powerful energy at times. You do sometimes you got to do a big marketing push for a a product launch or something like that. You need to know how to turn the turn the lights on, but you also need to know how to recover and and preserve some level of energy and not burn yourself out. Which is that's an art in and of itself.
1: Oh yes, without a doubt, you got to find ways to then got some steam you got to find ways to pardon me still take time for yourself every day still show up for your family every day it's um you neglect certain areas too long and everything gets out of whack and everything suffers
0: Mm. so i take it of course you know your training that you've we've talked about a little bit on your on our last conversation what else for you obviously the maintaining the physical body has been clearly very important to you Explain a little bit about that practice and anything else you've been doing to find that harmony so that you can stay well-rounded when you do come back to your your entrepreneurial endeavors.
1: Well, um, as a guy, I get a lot of aggression. We all have it. <laughs> There's a lot of anger, a lot of frustration when you're going through, and especially on the entrepreneur side, you know, clients come, clients go, projects have all kinds of things that happen. Um, sometimes clients don't work with you the same way that you'd like to have, and uh, it just can be really frustrating sometimes. You spend a long time doing the design, for example, and the client comes back and says, I want the background plaid. Not a great idea. Um, we're gonna try to pivot and do this instead. Nope, I really want a plaid and I want my logo to blink. Um, well, sure, um, that's definitely a possibility. And these kinds of things, I've had some clients come back 60, 70 times to try to go back and and do revisions on things. I'll keep going as long as you keep going until you're both happy. I'm absolutely fine to do that. But going through the creative side, we spend a lot of time trying to make things look really clean and really balanced. And there's a reason why we have things that we do. And it's really tough when somebody wants to stick their thumb in the middle of a lens and say, "Would just change this a little bit. Um, so to me, when I have all those kinds of things or life gets in the way or something happens to the car or, you know, you're trying to, whatever brings people up in the, in the stress of the day, the workout piece is always a sanctuary for me. There's no phone except for when I'm logging my workouts in the train heroic, but, um, there's no phone, there's no emails, there's no calls. I don't take any calls or answer any texts in the workout. I'm there to do my thing and get done. And it leaves everything on the floor. When I got done today, I was completely wet mess from top to bottom and I didn't have anything left in me. It was all out there. And when I went in this morning, I had computer problem, and I still have it right now today. But you know what? Um, The computer problem was preventing me from doing the rest of my job the rest of the day today. And ordinarily it would have been like this uh, tremendously horrendous thing. I've got a project due and I've got to get this thing figured out for. But rather than blowing up over it, Go to the gym the frustration is left in the gym it doesn't come out my family it doesn't come out at my wife doesn't come out at home um, i don't beat myself up over it. i just realized that later on down the road this is going to be fixed it's going to be solved it's a momentary thing but right now all that rage and anger and this frustration have a good place to leave it out on the floor in there so that's one major thing for me is it's just a way to help regulate mood The other thing is, for me, it's a um, fountain of youth. Um, I'm 54 years old, and I am lifting weights now that when I was in high school, I never thought I'd be able to touch. Um, I can't believe that I do what I do every day, and I'm just grateful and happy that the universe has let me do that. Um, Squat, deadlift, bench press, kettlebell swings, you name it. Anything my coach throws up me in the morning, I feel confident I can do it and get done. Um, some days he gives me workout that's really hard. And the best part for me is figuring out a way to get it done. Um, chip away at it helps me get that mental fortitude um, that no matter when I think something is really hard, my coach thinks I can do this. So, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. And it's flipped my attitude for exercise over the years where I'm just going to go to the YMCA and say, hey, do a couple of sets of this and do a couple of sets of that. And I'll rest three minutes in between. I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, there was weights in the weight room, but it wasn't any kind of a program. Um, But now I can see a progression in strength, a progression in mobility. And I can be at the store and squat down and pick something up off the bottom, or I can reach up to the top and pick something heavy. I don't worry about it. Uh, That mailman comes with 80 pounds of cat litter for our feline friends at home. And I take it out the back of the truck and put it on my shoulder and walk to the house like it's nothing. So just to have that kind of empowerment, Um, that nothing is really going to affect me. I can pick anything up, do anything I need to and move and feel healthy Um, is an amazing thing. One less thing to worry about on the entrepreneur side.
0: (laughs) Well, that's, I think what you just said there at the end is so important. People don't think about the cognitive burden of having to make, let's call them survival-based decisions all day long. And deciding like, am I strong enough to pick up this, you know, jumbo size toilet paper, whatever. I don't know why I'm using that, but like, you know, people buying all those things in bulk. Some people look at that and they're like, I'm terrified because I'm going to blow my back out. You don't, that's not a thought in your head. There's like, yeah, cool. Move on with my day to the next thing. It's not an another obstacle to work through. And you're mentioning, okay, I have this project right now, but the cognitive burden of other things that would weigh some literally, I mean, pun intended, weigh other people down is not there for you. So the the speed to actually sitting with the discomfort of problem solving something that affects your livelihood, that's there. It's one less thing to have to account for. And you can see why you're able to show up more confidently in these other things, not to mention you're practicing other problem solving yeah. in a space that's more like a game. And it's play, than it is, than it is like, Oh my God, if I don't do this, I don't eat today or whatever right. that that's that. I see that those two things there using, like stoking that curiosity in another place and that creativity in another place, it translates into your ability to think outside the box in another. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's pivot to the second question then desert Island movie. So you have one movie or, and I've adopted this, adapted it to this, or it could be one TV series, show, whatever, that you can watch for the rest of your life on a desert island. What is that? Show or series?
1: Show or series. Um, I would probably say if it was a show, a movie, it would be Shawshank Redemption.
0: Oh, okay. So a series. would be Breaking Bad. And now I have to know why for both, because excellent choices. (laughs) I mean, anybody who would disagree as those being great choices is crazy person. But I got what what about the movie or and the show individually? What draws you to those?
1: Well, my wife always says that the Shawshank's redemption is so depressing. And I said, well, yeah, but it always depends on where you stop the story, Mm -hmm. because where he starts, he's in. Something that's just this literal world of crap. He gets his world upended, what he thought was a very secure existence, gets his world upended, which you find out later on was not even his fault. He was entirely innocent, but he made incredible lemons out of what was done to him in there and was single minded of purpose to figure out how he was going to solve it and then carried through on. And to me, that's always been a very inspiring thing that no matter how bad things seem, if you have a plan, you can succeed at something. And it's always a very uplifting movie when I get uh, kind of tired or get down to the dumps about what's going on or getting feeling beat down by the entrepreneurial wheel.
0: Very, very cool response. I love that movie. I haven't watched it in a while, but I'm due up. What about, uh, what about Breaking Bad?
1: For Breaking Bad, um, it kind of goes back to when I read Mary Shelley's uh, Frankenstein when I was in high school and realizing that the monster in Frankenstein wasn't the monster. The monster actually was dr frankenstein himself for doing what he did in the first place so the book actually was all about how he went through in all of these great intentions and then went down this wrong path and then created something that was just so incredibly horrible um, and then didn't want to take any responsibility for his creation and his creation came back to bite him in the butt so breaking bad is along the same lines i've always loved I'm trying to understand with all these crimes and true crime stories and things you see on TV a lot is how somebody didn't wake up one day and decide to be a murderer. They didn't decide to be a bank robber. Something drove them to do that. So what actually happens in our psychology and our just our psyches on a day in and day off basis to do that and to watch this little unassuming uh, chemistry teacher, figure out that he could cook meth because he needed to pay his cancer bills for his family, and then just watching things just go crazy from there uh, was kind of the same parallel to the Frankenstein book, in my particular opinion. He became Frankenstein, created his monster, his monster came back to bite in the butt. But it's kind of wild to watch in degrees how we don't realize and pay attention that we can go either in a good direction or a bad direction or kind of wander. So it was always a good reminder of what to do and how to realize when things really are bad and when to pull back.
0: There's some cool lessons in both the things you shared there. Um, One of the things that first came to mind was empathy and hearing, I think there's always that interesting... uh, like especially like Breaking Bad it's almost like he's the anti-hero like you're rooting for him but he's doing something that's not great Right. and what an interesting conflict internally you have to rectify in that you're like why am I rooting for the essentially this anti-hero situation here I think deep down we also see ourselves in that and we're like if I was thrust into these situations what would I do probably the right. same thing Right. And my hope from just in this one reflection is that it's so easy to very quickly judge people for the circumstance that they're in. Mm-hmm. And it's not to, um, it doesn't uh, condone the behavior, but there's the endeavor to say, I want to understand where you come from. And I think that when we start to do that, that brings us to a place of, forgiveness and actually a place to heal wherever we're going and it made me think about um i believe it was a ted talk i can't remember exactly anyway the 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 ted talk was not again i don't know if it's a ted talk it might have just been some speech i saw but the person's presentation gets up starts talking about the death penalty and goes this is not whether or not you believe the death penalty is correct or incorrect it's about if we really want to reduce the amount of these things on the table, like what's the real thing? And started to outline the characteristics and the stories and of the people that end up on death row. They were all within like a small little box of like, these are all the circumstances of their life. You almost look at it and you're like, that person didn't have a shot anyway. Hmm. But if we're so quick to judge the end result, yeah, horrific. But if we as a society, it's too easy to be like, well, it's not my fault. Right. As a society, what have we not done to step in to us? Like, where do we actually need to step in? And where do we need to be aware of how we're impacting the lives of others as a whole? Right. Of course, it's always like childhood and that kind of stuff. But. It's easy to forget that sometimes we have more advantages than others, or we had that one mentor or that guide, or it's even just a reminder, don't be an asshole to something where it's like, you don't know if this young kid is having a tough time or whatever, like giving that one, helping that one kid, that one type might be the reason why they don't do something crazy. Ty, come here, bud. I got a treat. Um, I think that that perspective you shared about the Shawshank, pardon um, well in some ways it's also the Shawshank redemption as well like also the personal accountability like I'm going to make the best of a bad situation I think there's the two sides to that it's like right yes empathy for somebody else but also you get to do with the hand that you're dealt what you choose so right. it's not all society's fault and it's also not it's also like no matter what you, happens, it all still is on you to make a decision. But we can, as human beings, have empathy for the person who has ended up in a situation. If we all want to have world peace, we have to start to seek some level of understanding. So I loved I loved <laughs> your reasons why you chose those two <laughs> those two options there. What a what an interesting dynamic because it it really parlays back to your philosophies from sport. The, and 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 um from kung fu and and your the eastern philosophies it it's yep. seen it echoes back into that wow so cool yep. i'm just ranting now but that's that was that was <laughs> those are my observations <laughs> clearly God. i can also talk a lot brother yeah no I, I
1: absolutely love that yeah it's uh it's absolutely true and uh get busy living or get busy dying as Andy Dufresne said
0: truth truth Let's take it to this one. I think this is not talked about as frequently in, we'll call it the entrepreneurial space, family life and the importance. Like you've mentioned your wife several times already. I don't remember if you said you have kids, but like um, speak to a little bit about what the role of marriage and family has played in your own success and growth throughout the years with that. Um,
1: So this is my third marriage. And uh, it took me three tries to get it right. But boy, did I. And uh, it's actually part of my philosophy that if something doesn't work, you put it down, you pick it up and try the next thing. And eventually you're going to find the thing that fits for you, right? And uh, my wife and I found each other late in life, but uh, really, really happy that we did. And it was right around 14 years ago. Um, So yeah, not only was I leaving a really good paying job in the middle of a recession, but I was also getting married and starting a new life with somebody else who recently had lost her job. So (laughs) <laughs> talk about faith in the universe let's go um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh so to me um I'll, I'll take a lot of responsibility in my first two marriages that there were definitely things that were on their side definitely things on my side and we just weren't the right people for each other there was a lot of outside influences with job and other parts of the other families that were those in either too but Um, A lot of it, you know, Amy, my wife uh, and I talk about is we weren't really related to meet each other yet. It would be great if we could have met each other during high school. But she's like, you know what? I wouldn't have been ready for you. You wouldn't have been ready for me. And I think we had to go through life a little bit to find out what we did and what we didn't want and appreciate what we had and what we lost. But at the same time, what we know we didn't want more of. And so when we met each other, it was really uh, a super quick bond and we have been together 24-7 ever since. She works at home with me, um, even through COVID. For us, it was like a walk in the park. Everybody else is like, oh my God, we're here with my, my spouse now 24-7. I can't do this. We're getting a divorce. <laughs> Traditions into in the sink. Um, but uh, for us, it really was like you know, another day. Um, so when I first started my business and starting meeting with Dan, the business coach, um, he said to me, do yourself a favor, start thinking about some business rules that you want to put around yourself, not only as the business itself, about how you're going to pull in money and what your payment terms are going to be. I'm talking about something different. He says, for example, I don't work on Fridays. I get all my work done Monday through Thursday. And when Friday comes around, that's my day. I take it with my wife and we spend that. That's how we kick off our weekend. Think about something like that for you, that you have like a limiter on yourself, that you can go and feel okay, give yourself permission to step away from the business and still exist as a human being. I can tell you it's one of the most important things you'll ever think about. Boy, was he right. Absolutely right. So what I did is I went back and told my wife about that. And she says, well, here's one for you. I don't want to be a widow to the computer every night after dinner. So what I want you to do is when you come downstairs for dinner, you're done for the rest of the day and we don't do anything else. There's no work. Anything else gets done when you come downstairs and after dinner, you're mine for the rest of the night. And it has been that way for 14 years. And it's been amazing. It's such a great feeling to disconnect. To know I have permission to leave and to go downstairs that stuff's going to be waiting for me tomorrow morning. But I know I can with a clear conscience, go downstairs and then spend that time as myself with the person I want to spend it with and not have this thing in the back of my brain. I should be doing this. Or I should be doing that. or I got to build this client for this or I got this other piece left over. Having that permission to give myself that this is my rule. I don't break it unless it's something's really weird. But this is what I do has been incredibly helpful.
0: I've never heard somebody say that. I don't want to be a widow to the computer that is a powerful statement very wise lady shit man there's a couple of things that thought, came up there and uh, I appreciated your your sharing of the three different marriages and like the, the the ways to grow through it. I heard once it's like you have three three real loves in your life ones to kind of like break you out of your shell and kind of like make you feel the thing for the first time you don't know it but it's a very immature love the second one like breaks your heart and kind of just teaches you the real lessons you need to learn and then there's the there's the third that really propels you into who you are and is the the one that like is your soul's recognition and another so it was interesting to hear in threes yep but i loved what you were talking about with the a simple rule and starting there It echoed back to like with my own wife, when we moved in together, she was like, I'm terrified. I'm not going to see you because you just don't come home from work. I'm like, I needed a reason to come home. Yeah. simple as that, like when you feel pulled to be with your significant other, there's no greater feeling. It's like, it gives you a reason to shut off that thing, which we need inherently as we keep talking about. It's like, you need a reason to heal. You need to heal to go back and be great at the thing the next day. You can't just put the gas on all the time on that one thing. And
1: So I think um, one of the biggest lessons I learned uh, becoming an entrepreneur was giving yourself permission. It is the hardest thing to do. And it is the first thing that all entrepreneurs do to begin with because they don't realize it. But when they say, I'm going to stop doing this and now I'm going to start doing this on my own, that. The moment that actually happens, you've given yourself the permission that this is it. I've made that chance. I'm breaking my addiction to the paycheck. I'm doing whatever. I'm burning my ships, whatever you want to call it. That's when it all starts. And there are many, many, many others. I'm sure you feel the same way. Other instances where you have those same things to give yourself permission. Like, you know what? It's okay if a client leaves. It's okay if I don't get this job. Um, I really wanted this one because there's other stuff coming. Um, Maybe this particular client is better off going in a different direction. Maybe I needed to look back and to learn why that client left. Is it something I can do better? So look at it as an opportunity, but give yourself permission that, hey, stuff happens. Um, But giving yourself permission on so many levels has been something so integral to me, keeping my head from going absolutely atomic over these last few years.
0: That's going to be the title of the episode, by the way, Give Yourself Permission just because it's so poignant what you said there I I got to imagine half the time you're also saying the same but almost every single thing I do with especially when you get into the high performer like they've won every game they've ever played in their life and now they're like this is my game though I'm the I'm the owner I'm the I'm the leader they're so used to looking outside of themselves to get the okay to take the next step as opposed to You're the one Like you have to go inward now to do that. And and simply practicing the F sometimes it's like, yeah, you're allowed to go for a walk at 1030 in the morning because you want to, because that's what, you know, works best for you. You don't need your boss to tell you that you're allowed to today, or you can work three days a week or what you hell you could work two days a month. If you can get the job done and that do whatever the hell you want. Right. That's the weight of entrepreneur. Like you can do whatever the hell you want, but you also deal with all the consequences. Most people I think struggle with, they've built all these arbitrary rules that aren't bad rules. They work for those systems.
1: Right. There's somebody else's and it's realizing that those rules can be bent or broken if you give yourself permission to do it.
0: And I think the prerequisite is. I also accept the responsibility
1: Exactly. that. Exactly. Like, it's exactly. inherent in the permission piece because you know that if you give yourself permission for it, you're dealing with whatever consequences come the following day.
0: It's so strange though. I think that especially a lot of people who have, it's essentially a problem of abundance. And it's a lot of, I think a lot of people like famous people are like, you don't know what the problems of fame and fortune bring everybody's got problems i think that's something that people sure. don't that when we talk about empathy it's the, the the one person's like i'm dealing with survival the other person's dealing with an existential crisis right. both are problems nobody knows what the other feels like unless you've been in both situations and i think that that's so strange for most people to be like this high performer why are you not happy well it's because right. perhaps you've built your life in somebody else's structure but it doesn't doesn't tap into your creativity. It doesn't work with the time and energy that really works best for you. It doesn't have the freedom you need to. It doesn't a lot mesh with your family life. That's a hard thing to think about, but it's it's a problem. Ty, come here. You can't have your dog barking at you while you're doing a podcast. Like, are you allowed to have that? That's the other side of it.
1: Ty is welcome anytime.
0: Ty is well <laughs> I
1: gotta.
0: I gotta bring up an approach. Part of why I want to start having podcasts in person more, like face to face. Not only because I just like hang out with people face to face, but I want to be able to do something. It's like the dog will be there and he knows all his friends are there with him. So he's like, I don't, I get it. Like I can, <laughs> I can get love from two people now instead <laughs> of
1: the same time. If I was there with Ty, we wouldn't get anything done. I love dogs. So,
0: you know what? Well, then we have to get together soon and just do that. <laughs> that'll be, that'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. I'm taking a look at the time and I want to still get to our final questions and I love where sure. we've gone for so far. We've talked about prison. Ironically, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be good. So, this is a this is I guess would be three A, three B. Third question: <laughs> What's your deathbed meal? And three B: Who are you sharing
1: with? Uh, well, sharing it was easy. To be my wife, Amy. What's it going to be? It'd be a good question. Uh, you know. My f- I, years ago it would be a different story, but now my ideas of food have gone such in a different direction after all the training over the years. So I really don't think about food as something as a reward anymore. <laughs> um, if I had to pick, it would probably be um, I can't put the same thing after breakfast every day. My wife would kill me. But, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can literally eat the same thing every day and be happy. It's three eggs and uh, two pieces of bacon and a half plate of spinach. But um, probably say I make a um, chicken tortellini uh, that I, with pesto that is really, really, really good. It's one of the things that my wife says that she fell in love with me over. Um, I taught myself how to cook years and years and years ago, and uh, it's a really delicious dish.
0: Well, I like where it's kind of the, hey, it's part of where the relationship and the love came in yep. and and all that. I will share my reason why I asked that question. So actually, I haven't, I'm going to start sharing the reasons why I do this pretty much in every episode. So the sport, we'll start with the beginning, we'll finish with the end. If you haven't noticed, there's a bit of a sequence as to why. Mm-hmm. Sport, it's always about looking at our past. How do we play? There's that childlike enthusiasm. It's how we look at the world. I didn't realize how important play was. When I was in college, there was a couple of classes. So I went to SUNY Cortland. They're one of the best uh, phys ed schools in the world, let alone the country. Mm -hmm. And they talked about play so much. I've always struggled with free form play. The idea of like creative dance and stuff like that. I'm like, what's the rules? I don't get it. Teach me the way. (laughs) <laughs> that is just not—it's not how I've been wired. Uh, I want to know the process and how to win the game. Um, so, sport, I think, is so powerful in that in the way we start to think creatively about our world and how we go about playing games. The middle one, I think, about is like these are essentially our philosophies or the stories we see, or potentially we espouse to live on our life. So, why would you do it every single day? Because maybe that's how I look at life. And the third one. So I have a guided meditation I've done with people and I call it, who's holding your hand on your deathbed? And it's the end. Why I believe this is so powerful. I have. I believe we are all each other's mirrors. And I believe when we look into somebody else, what we're really seeing is our potential. It's a lesson, something about it. Specifically, the potential one is about the person, your final days, they are the reflection of the pursuit of the highest version of yourself. Because they believed in you, especially if we're choosing, like we're thinking to the future, who do we want us guiding us in that, in that direction. So, especially with what you've shared, it sounds like your wife has availed in your own personal growth journey, the space Absolutely. to be yourself, the space to expand, the space to take a break, the space to recover. It really, in many ways, it sounds like it's, amp- she's amplified your capacity as a, as a human being. So I, I think it was a really cool answer that you had there. <laughs> and hell, if you like having the same thing every day, but also just like the meal was more about what her and I created together.
1: God, I exactly. That. Right. Exactly. Right.
0: Food really is what unites us. I I think it, it tells far more of a story than than just food on a plate. It's exactly it's right. So much of culture, so much of human experience, so much of what we look back on. I just, I think there's so much, so much beauty in that. But
1: the first time we, uh, Got together, she cooked at my house and uh, she i didn't tell me what she was going to make. And then she just mashed two recipes together. And one of them was Rachel Ray's uh, You Won't Be Single for Long Pasta. And then there's <laughs> ah, what a name. What a name. <laughs> And then uh, she was just adding her own stuff to it for another recipe that she had. And she kept putting red pepper on it. It was taken forever. It was a pasta, vodka, vodka pasta sauce. And uh, she kept dumping in red pepper and dumping in red pepper. And I love spicy stuff. But I got to tell you, Caleb, it was the hottest stuff I'd ever had in my life. I mean, like the sweat is pouring down my face. I went back for two more bowls. I couldn't stop. It was delicious. <laughs> it hurt so good. It, hurts it so was good. true. She was not single for long. So... <laughs> Wow.
0: Those are some fun stories, man. I love that. I love that.
1: The food thing has always been big for us to be able to have that food time together because it's time where we're not watching something. We're just being with each other uh, and just connecting. And that's something I think a lot of people don't take the time to do as much of, especially in today's world.
0: Well, inherently, a deeper belief I hold is that I believe world peace is going to be solved one family dinner at a time. The idea where we just rush through meals, Uh, my background, I'm half French. My mom is from France. I used to go there every year for uh, a month until I was 16. Lunch, especially, is long. It's like two hours long. And you sit and you go through your experience and you take your time and you talk and you'll have your coffee and you do your thing. It is an experience each and every time. And, you know, you look at that and your relationship with food, it becomes much different when you're not just trying to shovel in things to survive. And and we also have this distorted perception of fullness as well, especially when most of our food is not really enriching. We've lost that touch and like the time to sit and talk and get to know each other. And there's an art. You know, French is a language of love too. Like it's it's a flowy language. It's it's you end and I begin. It kind of just happens. We've lost that art. We've dismissed it as being flippant. It's always like I'm rushing the kids to this and da, 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 da. when the hell do we make time to connect? It, it was the old idea of this is when we commune, we break bread, we come together. This is where the family values are espoused. We understand what's going on in each other's lives. You find ways to support each other. You understand what problems need to be solved. It's how you bring your community together. And I think us retraining that and, and yeah, there's been some failures along the way because clearly there was, why did some of these, these pivotal things go by the wayside I think we have such a beautiful opportunity to use yeah. food as a medium yeah. to bring each other back to love and prosperity within a home, which is, I think, all we really want to feel. We want to feel like we're at home and we belong. Absolutely. I'll wax poetic all day long. Clearly, so <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm taking a look at the time. We've been a chat, dude. Already an hour and fifteen minutes went by real fast. It's um, really good. Not surprised. I was anticipating uh, just like time going by in a blur. Kai, come here. We're almost done, buddy. Um, let's do this. If somebody's listening, they're like, yo, I dig this guy's vibe. I like his philosophies. I think he'd be a great fit for where I'm looking to go. I want to bring out more of my th- authentic stuff within my business, what have you. What would be the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Website
1: uh, rampantimaginations.com. I that's love making conversations, interview. and thank you. I love uh, just making conversations. I love meeting new people. I love the opportunity just to see what lies around the corner that I don't know about in our particular area. Mm.
0: That will be in the show notes, everybody. So don't you worry if you didn't get that the, that fire name. Don't worry, it'll be there. There'll be a link. Just go boop, just like that. And one of the things I love, which I think people should make note of, that I really that's part one of the things that I, when I was listening to how you spoke about going about your business. You start with an audit with people. So many people just try to sell you, like, I'm going to be your, pro- I'm going to solve all your problems. And this goes with what I sell- offer first. I do an alignment on with people. It's like, I don't know if I can help you. Why? Because I don't know you yet. So I got to look much. through that. And when you're like, oh, I do an audit for people. I just take a look at their stuff. And like, we start with what the real problem is. That to me is integrity, especially when that's not common with so many people and it allows the relationship to start where it needs to start. And it can grow in a healthy, in a healthy manner. It actually has a chance to start on the right footing because you actually took a look at what the relationship really was at what it really needs to be. And you can serve from a place of integrity. So any, any kind of
1: relationship needs to start with an understanding of that. So you have an expectation to set together. And if you don't have a common expectation, it's never going to work.
0: It's beautiful stuff, man. Any final thoughts you'd like to share? Any words of wisdom for the audience that you'd like to leave them with before we go?
1: Just uh, give Caleb a shot. I think you'd uh, be a fantastic coach and I'd be excited to work with you on my own on the other parts, but I um, really enjoyed being on. Thank you for having me today.
0: I didn't expect you to, to pitch me on my own show, but I appreciate that. That was that was very kind of you. <laughs> the. Mark, I've, I feel like we've known each other for years. Like it feels like, you know, just, when you know, when you, you, certain things you hear, you just like, it just lines up. And so, uh, shout out to Hillary for connecting us. Actually, Sharon, I just messaged yesterday. So, um, I'm getting together again with her. She's lovely as well. If you've ever met her in person, she's just a doll. I got to get her on the podcast, but, um, anybody she's ever sent my way. I'm like, Oh, we're going to be friends. That's for certain. And so truly has it, has it worked out that way, my friend. So uh, looking forward to hanging a lot more. And um, there's so many things that I, I hope people really dial into and listen over to several times in this episode that I think will help a lot of people avoid some pitfalls in their own professional journeys. Even if somebody doesn't become a business owner, somebody who's just looking to live more authentically like themselves, which in a sense is that entrepreneurial mindset that endeavor to be authentic and to be real, to take ownership of your own life. Like there's so many great things from your business perspectives to your health perspectives and to even just the marital perspectives. This is how you can grow and mature. So thank you for sharing that a lot too. And um, so again, everybody who's listening, go check out Marco connect link in the show notes. Thanks, everybody, for sharing your time and your energy with us. And until next time, I remind you to love everybody.